Chapter 14 of The Boy Scouts in the Maine Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Boy Scouts in the Maine Woods by Herbert Carter. Step Hen has visions of a fur coat. Tad was already hastily inserting a fresh shell in the left chamber of his little shotgun. He felt fully satisfied that he had done just what Step Hen so vociferously proclaimed, knocked over one of the skulking wolves. But there were more of the same breed around, and presently they would get over the temporary fright caused by the flash of fire, together with the heavy crash, when possibly they might show themselves bolder than ever. And like a true Boy Scout, Tad Brewster believed in always being prepared. He had really taken that for his motto long before he thought of joining a troop of the scouts, so that much of what he agreed to do when signing the muster roll lay directly in a line with his own ideas of what a wide-awake boy should be. They backed off for after that hot reception, Tad, Step Hen went on. Oh, I hope I'll get a chance to pop over just one of the sneaky beasts. I'd like to say I'd shot a real wolf. Think of me, Step Hen Bingham who up to a year ago had never gone off camping or hunting. With a bear to my credit, a buck actually knocked over, even if it was stole away from me. And now, as the crowning event of all, I want to get a savage wolf, a real Canada wolf. Oh, said Tad laughingly, I don't know that they're different from any other kind they have out on the plains, though perhaps they may be a little larger and ready to attack a man quicker. But perhaps you'd better take the next good chance then, Step Hen. May I, Tad? That's kind of you. Suppose you give me pointers then and tell me just when to blaze away. I want to make a dead sure thing of it. Of the wolf, you mean, I guess, Tad went on, keeping a bright lookout while he talked. Well, watch that place where I got my fellow, and I think you'll soon see something moving. You must mean the rest will be wanting to make a supper off of the critter you killed? Is that it, Tad? Are they such cannibals as all that? asked Step Hen. Always said to be, the patrol leader returned, and then quickly added, Keep on the lookout, and if you see anything moving, tell me. Above all, don't waste ammunition by firing recklessly. We're not trying to scare them off by noise. Every shot ought to count for a wolf. They lapsed into silence for some little time, during which both boys used their eyes to the best advantage. Several times Step Hen's eagerness caused him to imagine he had caught a glimpse of a moving object, but upon calling the attention of his more experienced comrade to the spot, in every instance Tad had pronounced it a false alarm. But in the end there came a time when Tad himself saw something move, and as he watched more closely he made positive that it was another wolf creeping up in the direction of the spot where his first victim probably lay. Are you all ready, Step Hen? he asked quietly. Just try me, that's all, came the whispered reply, as the other scout clutched his rifle nervously and strained his eyes to see what had caught the attention of his chum. Then watch that spot where my game kicked the bucket. One of his mates is right now coming to drag the body away, to give it a wolf burial. See him, Step Hen? Yes, yes, and be sure and tell me just when to let him have it, Tad replied the other, beginning to cover the indistinct moving figure with his ready gun. Now hold on for a bit, Tad cautioned. 
I'm going to give the fire here a kick that will make it spring up. Then, when you can be sure you're getting a beat on the slinker, give him hail Columbia. Watch out now, old fellow. It's going to be your only chance to bag a genuine wolf from the Canada bush. Just as Tad had said, the fire burned briskly after he had used the toe of his boot to give it new life. And sure enough, Step Hen could see the outlines of a long, dim figure that seemed to be hugging the ground. He could even catch the odd gleam of the wicked yellow eyes that were doubtless watching their every movement. With the sharp report of his rifle, there was another howl, this time of pain. Did I get him, Tad? cried the marksman eagerly. You hit him, that's certain, because I saw him flop over, replied the other. And that yelp meant sudden pain, as sure as it stood for anything. But he managed to get off, though possibly he will fall within twenty feet. Oh, that's too bad, because his chums will chew him all up, and I'll never have my nice wolf skin to get a coat made out of for winter, exclaimed Step Hen. And then, as he was seized by a new thought, he went on. But, Tad, suppose I took a torch and went out there. Do you think I'd be apt to find him lying on his back? I'd like the worst kind to get hold of him before the rest of the bunch muster up courage enough to come back. Well, since you haven't even a load in your gun, that would be too risky a game for you to play, Step Hen, and just for an old wolfskin at that. Perhaps we've given him such a bad scare now that the rest of the pack may skip out and leave us in peace. Then in the morning you'd find your chap all right. Listen, there's something crashing through the bushes right back of us, Tad, exclaimed Step Hen a minute later, though his companion knew it before he spoke. Sounds like an elephant might be coming down on us, but they don't have such animals up here in the main woods, do they? Just hear the racket he keeps making, Tad. Whatever do you suppose we're up against now? Tad laughed. That's a two-legged elephant then, Step Hen, he remarked. Fact is, we're going to have company, but that's a man pushing through the brush and making all the noise he can so as to scare the wolves away and at the same time keep us from firing on him. Then raising his voice, Tad called out, Hello there! That you, Tad? came an answering call. Hurrah! It's old Eli! exclaimed Step Hen, readily recognizing the voice of the guide. This way, Eli! We're having a healthy old time knocking over some of your Canada wolves. Each got one so far, but I reckon the rest of the pack must a lit out when they heard you a coming. I see you now, Eli, and mighty glad you dropped in on us. Where did you spring from, anyway? Don't tell me we're as near the camp as that. Eli came up with a wide grin on his face. Oh, camp about a mile and a half down lake, he remarked, as he gravely shook hands with each hunter in turn. We saw a light of fire over point, and think it might be you boys so I paddled canoe across here. It ain't just five minutes walk across this strip to the lake. So you got some of the critters, did you? Tad, can't we look up that one I shot now? I just hate to lose him, you know, begged Step Hen. Why, I suppose it would be safe for all of us to go out, returned the patrol leader. Here, pick up something that will burn and come along. They found Tad's victim without any trouble, but the second one was not within range of the light from their torches but poor anxious Step Hen begged so piteously to be allowed to extend the search just a little further that Tad did not have the heart to say no. And a minute later, after they had gone forward twice as far as Tad had at first intended, Step Hen gave a gurgling cry. Look at there, Tad. What's that thing lying over yonder? Seems to me mighty like a dead one. 
Yes, sir, that's what it is, as sure as I'm Stephen Bingham. Oh, how terrible he looks, even when stretched out there and gone up the flue. My wolf, too. What a fine coat he's got, and as gray as they make him. Say, won't I just cut a swell when I wear that out in a sleigh with Sue Baker, and every time she rubs the sleeve she'll say, and just to think that you shot this savage old wolf all by yourself, Stephen. Oh, what a brave fellow you are. It was a second dead wolf, sure enough. The little repeating rifle had, as usual, given a good account of itself, and the stricken beast had only been able to drag himself a little distance away before giving up. Both animals were dragged over to the fires, and then Eli set to work taking off the skins with a rapidity that told of long experience along the trapping line. No use of lugging these critters over to the canoe and then to camp, Eli had announced. Their two skins will make a purty good coat, I guess now. And so you got a pack of prime venison to tote home as well, have you? That's good. My mouth's just made up for a steak, and the boys'll feel tickled to death when they seize her. Step Hen was a little nervous at leaving the fire zone, especially since Eli and Tad insisted on putting out every spark before departing, according to the law of the state. But then he managed to carry one torch, and with that to serve them, they took up their line of march. It was not so very far to the edge of the lake. Tad laughed and said the joke was on him, because when they halted, he really believed they were a couple of miles away from water. If he had known the shore was so nearby, he would have managed to coax the tired Stephen to trudge on just a little further, so as to camp with the water covering one side and bringing that much security, not to speak of the chances for signaling to the home camp by means of the code which he and Alan, as Boy Scouts, understood. But it was all right now, and Stephen felt quite merry over the chance of being taken comfortably to the camp by means of the canoe. Eli did the paddling, and the two weary lads just snuggled down in the boat, feeling that they had had a great day of it, all told. The presence of the venison, as well as the wolfskins, would be positive proof as to the reliability of their astonishing stories, should there be any skeptic around. And then Tad had the wonderful mushroomed bullet that had killed that six-pronged buck, so that as they narrated the first adventure that had come their way, they could produce evidence to back up the story. Their coming was greeted by more or less enthusiasm, although the boys had evidently been coached by Alan not to be too vociferous, as they were in a country where timid game abounded, and it was poor policy to frighten away the quarry they had come so far to secure. Stephen forgot all his weariness as he found himself being shaken by the hand again and again, while he and Tad told the tale of their day's outing. It was nice to play the hero part once in a while, and more than ever did Stephen feel that life had become more worth living than ever since he joined the Cranford Troop of Boy Scouts. But for that, he would never have discovered what splendid things there were to be met with in the great forests, and the spirit of the hunter and the fisherman, which had lain dormant in his nature, might never have been awakened. And while the hour was rather late, all of the boys insisted on tasting a small piece of the deer meat brought in by the two successful Nimrods. End of chapter 14 Recording by D. R. Baker Robinson